What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Healthy Scratch Podcast on Hot Sauce Sports. My name is Spencer Plumino. I'm Tyler O'Connor. I'm Chris Johnson Delvis. And we are Healthy Scratch. Uh, that's a, you know that's actually not a bad way to do this. Like after we introduce each other, I feel like I just figured it out. I feel like I have to be like, and we are Healthy Scratch. That helps me not have to like transition right to being like, we got a great show for you guys. You know? Actually, I like it, I like it a lot better. Right. I like it better too. I'm tired of saying we got a great show every week or every episode. You know, I feel like it's fucking Saturday night. Yeah, Live not all our shows are that good. And then yeah. they all suck. Yeah. They all suck. And there's just exactly. a group of our friends who are listening to this going, this these guys fucking below. Can't win for losing, I'll tell you. Anyway, we got a great show for you guys today. Uh, we're gonna cover the Avalanche, the Palmieri trade, we got the Habs, we got the Leafs. Of course, we got women's hockey. There's some stuff we have to talk about there. Um, yeah, let's dive in with the Avalanche first. Uh, Chris? Tell us about the Avalanche. The Avalanche are killing it right now. So since uh, shots on net have been recorded and shot attempts have been recorded, <laughs> um, the Avalanche are the most dominant team in recorded history. But I, I wanted to put it into context because it sounds just like very vague. Uh, so here's how we're going to do it. Uh, since March, the beginning of March, mm-hmm. uh, they're 13 0 2. That's 28 points. That's first in the NHL. Yeah, so it's like they have half a 39 goal differential. That's first in the NHL. They have a 14.8 shot differential. So they're getting 14, almost 15 more shots than, than the team they're competing every night. That's first in the NHL. Four point and a, four and a half goals a game, which is first in the NHL. Uh, 1.87 goals allowed per game, which is first in the NHL. A six point, uh, 68.15 expected goals at even strength, first in the NHL by a wide margin, and uh, 23 points for McKinnon and 22 points for Landis Cog, which is first and second in the NHL. Wow. You know, I think it was Dom Lecision. Yeah, you know, I imagine he still does them, but does these like preseason projections on teams based on you know his his like I don't know what you call them uh, formulas, I guess. And he, yeah, he has he, a, model, a model. Yeah, he has a model that he uses, and he did this for the the Lightning a couple years ago, and it was like they were basically like the Harlem Globetrotters of the league. You know what I mean? Like they they were that far ahead, just head and shoulders ahead of the rest. I'd be curious to see how the Avalanche currently stack up it's, to, it's, to that to them it, and to the it's right it's right it's, it's this it's r- what they're on right now <clears throat> in underlying metrics is stronger than that lightning season that is insane yeah it, and what's interesting with the lightning the avalanche in this case is that last year their numbers were really good but they were a little lucky so remember we had talked about pdo in a previous episode right. so combined save percentage shooting percentage they they had finished quite high last year at around 102 and a half uh, so you'd expect some kind of regression this year where they, you know, get a little bit more unlucky. Mm-hmm. And instead they went out and got a first pairing defenseman. Uh, Devin Taves. And in Devontae's and Grubauer played more games and he's been a Vezina trophy candidate yeah, goalie so say. far. Yeah. Uh, their numbers are actually more sustainable now than they were last year, but they're also better. Wow. It, it's just a. Uh, you'll never see anything like this. Like if they don't win the cup, there's a huge, huge upset somewhere. I think from anyone, if anyone can beat the Avalanche, it's an upset. Uh, it would be something to see the Lightning and the Avs, especially with a healthy Nikita Kucherov, to see them go yeah, I would, at it. Oof. I would pay. I would pay for that. I would insane. pay to watch that. Yeah. So Avalanche are absolutely destroying right now. Uh, Kyle Palmieri, Kyle Palmieri trade, Kyle Palmieri and. 
Travis Zajac were traded to the New York Islanders for a first round pick, retained salary, and I believe there were some minor leaguers or like mid tier, mid level prospects in the mix there. No. Yeah, some guys that you'll never hear of again exactly. or haven't heard of before. Um, and that's fine. I, I love this trade for the Islanders personally. I mean, I think like it's 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 certainly a buyer's market this year, and I think they took advantage of that. Uh, Palmieri and Zajac are two guys that I look at and I'm like, they really haven't played for the Islanders before now. Like they're both like they just seem like perfect Islanders. They both fit that that model and that game style really well. Um, I love it personally. I think this turns Chris's favorite team into an even better team. Honestly, Lou, Lou, oh, fuck you, Spencer. Lou, Lou got his guys. He, he, he likes to go back to the Devils to fish the guys that he's had before. He knows them. Palmieri is a good goal scorer, replaces Anders Lee, and Zajac can play center. And they need a bit of center depth. Yep. Um, the only thing I don't like about this trade was seeing Palmieri have to shave. Yeah. But he's all eyebrows now. But yeah. Did you guys see Connor Carrick's tweet? No, made that me was laugh. so funny. That he said, what did he say? For anyone who hasn't seen it, he said, really surprised Lou let Kyle keep his eyebrows. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm glad someone made a dig at it. He looks, uh, yeah. I saw a photo from like from, from far, like side by side, and I saw the shave, and literally the first thing I noticed was the eyebrows. Eyebrows. Oh, <laughs> they're just they're huge. Great eyebrows. Great eyebrows. Well, they, they rock. They're yeah. kick ass, but they're. It's uh, like I feel like there's there's like a, a a scale of like how bad it is when you get asked to shave by Lula Morello. You know, like some guys get hit by it harder than others, and I think Palmieri's right up there. I think he I think it transforms his face pretty good. And you can't refuse. Like remember Pekanich when he played for the Leafs, he yeah. had to shave that goatee, and uh, they were talking. Someone like questioned on Twitter, uh, like, "Hey, has anyone ever tried to question Lou on that?" And Justin Bourne, um, if you know him on Twitter, he used to play yeah, for great. Lou. He he said he tried, and uh, he had to dry shave. Jeez, like your days at the yeah, like my days at Loyola High School. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, and if you don't comply, you get traded. That's it's just the way Lou is. All that for facial. Well, hair. yeah, he got him. He's uh, an old man. Uh, good oh, at his yeah. job though. Maybe he's just jealous. Maybe that's Maybe, what it is. Yeah. He just, he just, he said, screw it. If I can't have it, you guys can't. He, he collects the trimmings and keeps them at yeah. home. So goes, home like he has he, more yeah. goes home and he has like, the Superman's got his cape, but, but <laughs> Morel, ah, what's his face? Like hat ties around his mouth. Oh know? God. Has a little beer going on at home. Yes. He's got like a little hair bowl eats, outside that he pulls on. Eats some New York pizza home. through it. Mm. Oh my God. Disgusting. This is going to be the scandal we're going to hear about 10 years from now. Yeah. Like the Lou Lamorello like, hair yeah, scandal. Yeah, that's certainly the most controversial thing in hockey right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Jeez. All right, let's move on to the Habs. Um, they're back from COVID with Eric Stahl. Um, they've looked better. They, they've had a couple of rough games the past two games there. They lost to Winnipeg and lost to Toronto. Um, yeah. Overall, I think they've looked better. They're trending in a better direction. Eric Stahl, I think, has looked... Pretty good. I mean, like, I think he's he's getting his feet wet here. I think it's the first opportunity with a you know winning team, if you can call them that. Fuck, they're under five hundred if you're counting overtime losses. Um, but this is first opportunity with like a, a good team since last year. Um, so I think it's it's a good opportunity to to sort of let him get his feet wet. I like that they're putting him in the top six uh, to start off. Uh, whoa, whoa, Spence. I don't yes. I don't like that you're implying Buffalo is bad. Okay, there's no evidence for that at all. Okay. Um, Ty? 
Yeah, Buffalo is bad. There's actually a lot of evidence that that points to that. In Sorry. fact, all the evidence points to that. How are you feeling about Eric Stahl? How are you feeling about his performance so far, so far with the Habs, and where are you hoping it goes from here? Okay, so there's 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 two things about Eric Stahl being a Hab. I thought he's played well since joining the team, mm-hmm. um, and also I just know Bugs Chris, so it's just it's a nice little. It's the best of both worlds, you know. It's he's playing well and he's not playing well for Chris. Yeah. Which w- watching watching that watching him score in overtime, that I was, was like, yes, oh. I, I literally <laughs> thought of you when that happened, like that. But no, but all all, all seriousness, like, I really liked him. I really liked his play so far. I I hate that line. I hate the line of of um, uh, Drouin to Foley and Stall. I don't like that line at all. But as an individual, I thought he, I thought he's been pretty very good since joining the team. I thought that first game on Monday there against the Oilers was the perfect encapsulation of why you go and get an Eric Stahl. Yep. They were down. They gutted it out and came back despite having significant troubles with that throughout the year so far. And Eric Stahl scores the game winner in overtime despite being, you know, I don't want to say invisible, but he wasn't, he wasn't standing out that much one way or the other that it wasn't a bad game. He did fine. But he shows up in overtime and and is the difference maker. That to me is is the reason you go out and get an Eric Stahl. It's the reason you go out and get a Corey Perry too. But I think Eric Stahl's got a well. I mean, who knows? Corey Perry's given a lot. I was gonna say Eric Stahl's got a lot, a little more to give than Corey Perry. But fuck, how do you say that about Corey Perry right now? He just paid twenty minutes uh, last night. Um, yeah, look, it's uh, it's a good acquisition in my eyes. I, I like Eric Stahl. It's, it's crazy seeing him in a Habs jersey. I still look at him in a Habs jersey and it feels surreal to me. You know, like for some reason more so than Perry. Or He's just on that long list of players that we yep. never thought would play for a certain team. And it's, Thanks it's, to Bergevin, too. 14-year-old me would have an expo- yeah. aneurysm seeing that. 14-year-old you would have never, would have permanently been a Habs fan had this happened. That's the craziest pro- part. Pro- probably, probably. Um, but no, he's, he's been good. He's been good. He's been, yeah. he's been honestly exactly what I thought he was going to be. Yeah. Um, but that's not a bad thing. I don't mean that's a bad thing. He just he's coming in and he's doing exactly what I thought he would. So yeah. No, I, I liked it. I like it a lot. I think he's got some room to. I don't want to say grow, but like room to sort of get comfortable and sort of get his mojo going a little bit. And I think yeah. once we get to the playoffs too, it's obviously you notice uh, those kind of acquisitions even more. Um, Corey Perry, twenty minutes last game. Obviously Gallagher's out. Gallagher's out to the playoffs. Uh, Corey Perry has been playing some big minutes. Took on a big role there. Um, He's playing really good hockey. I'm I'm impressed, honestly. Like I don't I don't want him getting 20 minutes a night. Even last night, like I wasn't thrilled about it, but yeah. better than I thought he would be. You know, honestly, like I thought like I I thought his minutes would need to be managed more than they have been thus far. There's more in the tank there. I'm less concerned about him come playoff time than I than I was earlier in the year, uh, mm-hmm. especially when I was started thinking about him getting more minutes. You know, mm-hmm. uh. It's just it's it's just awesome seeing veterans like this on the team. I got to say, this is something that's really giving me a bit more faith in them, especially after the stall acquisition, going out and getting these cup winners, getting guys that have been through that grind, that have been through the adversity, that have seen both sides of it, you know, that have seen the difference between, you know, what it takes to win and, and what it takes to, you know, not quite get there. Um, I love that. I love seeing them out there. How's uh how's everyone feeling about Corey Perry? Oh, he fucking rocks. He's the best. 
he he is dare I say the most valuable vet any team has added on their on, onto the team this season. It's a bold claim. Season. Yeah, as lo- as long as you specify added because Spezza was already a leaf. But I would <laughs> I would argue that he's I love Spezza, but I would argue that Perry's had more value than to the Habs than Spezza. Oh, fir- firm disagree. Firm I disagree. Think... I, I, look, I think at the end of the day, and like this, like the way I'm looking at it, Chris is like, I understand. I like I, I I'm not trying to downplay what Spezza has been doing in Toronto. I know he's I been having a phenomenal season and I've seen, like, I've seen all the stats, but like you take Spezza off the Leafs, they're fine. They, they don't even, they barely skip a beat. At I don't least know about that. With the amount of, ta- the, the I mean, amount look, of talent, look, they'd be fine. At the, at, the, at the end of the day, with the amount of talent a team like that has, if you lose like, a, it, it, if you lose a guy like Spezza, that should not like you, you should have enough left. Keep... There have been more games than I would like. That Spezza's turned the game himself. Right. And I mean, it's, that's, especially, yeah. especially during like the, the really bad games of Matthews's wrist. Mm-hmm. Like there are, there are quite a few games that Spezza at 37 yeah. took the game over, which is My, yeah. hilarious that he did that at 37. But yeah. if they didn't it's, have him, yeah, they'd still be a playoff team. They'd probably still be first in the division. I'd be hard pressed to think of how they wouldn't be. Um, but that, but that, but that, the bottom six would not be. Exactly. Like, I'm, I'm comfortable the, with the bottom six. The bottom yeah. six without Spezza, I'm not. But, but yeah. that's and not just that. The room. I want to touch on the dressing room a little later yeah. when we cover the Leafs. Yeah. But this is this seems to be a pretty special group this year, and Spezza I think is no small part of that. I think those veterans yeah. are are huge. The same way in Montreal, they're huge. They're huge in Toronto too. And yeah, I, th- I think it's difficult to compare the two. They play different roles for each team and they've both been very effective they've both been very impactful i think it's tough to i mean we can't we both just be happy you know it's kind of like no, found money no, these guys are no we can't <laughs> the leaves can't have all the elite talent and then have this okay you give us one okay um we have stall no, but i look okay. yeah it's true, it's true. we have eric stall yes. beat it chris no but again and like i said that's not that's not me saying anything against chocolate dropped that's not me saying anything against spezza um i don't know how sims has been doing recently i don't know not great i just i just think like if you take perry like screw the screw the points he's been putting out like just the sheer again i know that's such a cliche old-fashioned thing to say but i do think there's genuine value in there in it um like just the sheer attitude that perry's brought like he's Last night, like you said, Spence, he played 20 minutes. The night after, like on a ba- at the, on the latter half of a back to back, and he was still one of the few Habs that really looked like he was going last night. Like, you know, and so again, that, 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 I'm, again, I'm not trying to take anything away from Spence, but I just think you take Perry out of the Habs lineup, and you notice a huge difference. Whereas I think you do. Leafs, the, I, I, with, I think you do Leafs, in Toronto too. With the Leafs, no, you, but again. Like with the amount of firepower that that team has, yeah. Like at a certain point. At the same time, Ty, you could argue with the amount of forward depth the Habs have. I mean, he's a depth forward, quote unquote, right? Yeah. So with the amount of depth forwards the Habs have, he should be easy to replace too, right? Yeah, but he's yeah, but he hasn't been easy to replace. No, That's the of course not. But I don't I, think I think, I think the, the lesson the lesson here is build a team good enough to draw a former star veteran on a league min contract. Yeah. Which both have done. Corey Perry. We can find common ground there. Uh, we're talking about injuries. I want to jump on Price's injury quickly. This pissed me off to no end, as I'm sure you 
guys probably realize. I think I was I think I was texting you guys just upset mm-hmm. about it. Um, he stayed in the game clearly after getting hurt, right? Like I I think it was clear to to most people that he was not right after getting tangled up there and stayed in the game. And then you find out after the game, like oh yeah he he's he was hurt and he's going to be out for you know at least a week. I fucking hate seeing that. Like take him out of the game. You got Jake Allen on the bench. Yeah. Just take him out of the game. Put Jake Allen in. Protect him. You like it was clear to to fucking me at home with my hockey knowledge that he was hurt. Mm-hmm. And obviously they must have known he was hurt, but they decided to keep him in. There's no. They must have been like, oh, how's it feel? You must be like, you're okay. Yeah, I'm okay. Stay in. But like w- when you're seeing it with your eyes like that, at a certain point, when do you put your foot down and go like, hey, I know you're making ten and a half million dollars a season, but we're gonna take you out for precaution here. I I hate seeing that. I really I did Is, not like isn't this what that. happened to him? the season he was out all year with a knee injury that he, he played the, the rest of the game. And then afterwards was like, yeah, no, it was bad all game. And it, I like, I'm obviously I'm hurt. And then he never came back for the rest of the season. Was that the, I, the I'm year pretty that started like 10? I'm pretty sure there was a, an issue with him in the past, not being honest about how bad it was in game. It might be. Yeah. And I, and I wonder if that's what happened this time again. And I would just say at that point, learn from your fucking previous mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. If that did so happen, I, yeah. To that point, like, I don't know. It's weird. Like, I do, like, part of me does, part of me watched that happen, and I was, part of me was upset that they, uh, left him in. That he, that they left him in. And, but then there was also, there was that little voice inside my head that was saying, you know, like, like, maybe, Maybe give them benef- the benefit of the doubt on this one. Maybe, maybe it was you know maybe they have learned from the past, and like maybe this was genuinely just one of those situations where he kind of tweaked it. They talked it over. It was an in-game moment. Adrenaline's pumping. Everything's going. You know, it really does. The doctors looked at it. Everybody, everybody talked about it. And it's, you know what? This isn't as serious as maybe we we thought it was. And then the game ended, and ev- and then then you know. Yeah. And then, and then the gravity of it kind of came to surface. Again, I don't know. I'm not saying that that's necessarily what happened. Maybe no, you they make a good point. Screw up again, but like I do like, like I do. Part of me wants to believe that they have learned from their lessons, and they have learned that you don't leave your ten and a half million dollar goalie in there if he's genuinely really hurt. And I just wonder if maybe it is a situation where it really didn't seem as bad in game, and then the game ended. He took it off the pads, and they said, Ugh, "This is actually a lot worse than we thought." So I think you make a really good point. Like in that, like. From the outside looking in, we operate with what? How much of the actual information? What are yeah. we doing? What are we working with here? Like twenty percent? You know what I mean? Like we, yeah, we exactly. don't have yeah. the full story, if even. Yeah, if even. exactly. We, honestly, we're operating on a, a a minor little clip that we yeah. saw where he kind of fell a little a little awkwardly. Yeah, and also the subsequent clips throughout the game where he, you know, he looked off balance. He looked slow. He looked sluggish. He, he was having yes. a hard time getting reset. He was having a hard yes. time pushing off, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Shea Weber. How have you been feeling about Shea Weber, Ty? I've, I, I'm, it's a mixed bag for me with Shea Weber this year. Uh, he needs help. Yeah. Um, and he also, you know what? Maybe you, maybe you put him on the second pair. I, yeah. I don't look. I, or I think, you give him a better partner. Well, that's and that's yeah, and that's what I mean by help, right? Like I, I read a bunch of things. I, I think Chris, I think we'd spoken about it a while ago about like, just if as a base idea, if you want, if you genuinely. If you even if you don't think Weber's gonna obviously be worth his contract the whole way through, if you want to get the most mileage possible, 
you have to look at the reality that maybe putting him on the second pairing is what's best. You know what I mean? Dropping you're not you, you know you could still play him a bunch, but you give him a bit of an easier load, easier matchups. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would consider that at least, but more to like what Chris said and what I said about needing help. Like he needs a partner. I like people are stunned at how slow he looks. When was he ever not like? Th- They're he's, stunned. He's never been. F- at how he's slow he looks flight. because he's yeah. fucking playing with Joel Edmondson. He was playing with Ben Sherratt, right. which they again, he played slow. well last year, but yeah. Ben Sherratt's not a fucking speedster. Like, yeah, he moves exactly. fairly well for a guy of his size, but come on. But he's also not a top pairing defenseman. No, he's like, not. Ben Sherratt's not a top. And if you're going to complain that Weber, yes, Weber's age is getting up there and his injuries are catching up to him and he's slowing down. But again, it's the same. It's the same. You, you have the same argument with him as, like, I always bring up with Dwayne. You bring up with so many other ho- ho- hockey players where it's like, yeah, at a certain... Yeah, they might not be performing very well, but how much of it is also just they're not in the right situation. Yeah. They're, they're, you're leaving them out to dry. And especially a slower, less mobile, older defenseman, of course he's going to look out of place. People like, are blowing like, past him. Even just, like, play him to his strength. Like, if you want to play him more minutes than Petrie or whatever, but, like, I watched, I watched a lot of Habs games as you guys have probably noticed. Um, why is he out there hard-matched against McDavid? Why is he out there hard-matched against Ehlers? Like, yep. you, like it's, I would understand if he was the only good defensive, but like, you have Jeff Petrie, who's a, his yep. best thing yep. is skating. Yep. Even if you play Jeff Petrie, like, like you hard-match him on the, the top, like I'm sorry, like Mitch Marner danced around Weber for 20 minutes. Yes, yeah. yes. But in the in the minutes that Marner Matthews played against Petrie, like Petrie was good. Yep. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like if you're gonna hard match them against these guys, like it's not even like you're like, here's Shea Weber and Mobile X. You're going here's Shea <laughs> Weber and Joel Edmondson against yeah, the like, fastest like, hockey player on the planet. Do we think the situation is? different if he's playing with like i like mete i know you guys don't love mete but like i don't know i, I don't mind not like mete, mete, I, mete I or, or romanov like i, I i'm not only overly convinced romanov is there yet but like i think mete is actually quite good yeah and i, I would like be Rome. intrigued like to see him play with weber a little bit because at least there would be I, some speed on that pair well, i'd be intrigued to see them put together for a game or two just to see like, how he looks in that situation i think his confidence has been fucking rattled the past couple of years i don't think he's but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead, Ty. The thing I don't understand though is like when Mete joined the Habs, like he was playing with Weber. Yep. And like it was an ongoing joke that he wasn't a first pairing defenseman. And like whatever, you can you can say what you want about that, but like he looked decent. They didn't look horrible together. And at least you have a guy who can skate and keep up with these other guys. Yeah. Because like at, at the end of the day, the things that people complain Mete can't do. Which whatever I know he has his flaws. He's not. He's not the. I like Mete. He's not the ideal defense. He's not the perfect defenseman. I should say, but he's good. He's got his flaws. But he's also in a. Say, he's in a, just quickly. He's in a really tough situation being yes. like a seventh D like that, especially the exactly. situation he came from the past few years. I mean, exactly. it's it's tough, especially when your confidence is rattled to build that but, up and have good showings. You know, here and there. But the things starts. the things that he, people claim he lacks is like literally cut and dry Shea Weber. You know, like like mm. they say, Mete is not tough enough. He's not strong enough in the corners. He's not big enough in front of the net. Like he's literally they, he's literally the polar opposite of what what Weber is. So I don't know why people don't think like, 
I don't know, man. Like I said, they played together. When Mete first joined the league, they were stuck together at the hip. Yeah. And it, it looked, Out it didn't necessity. look, it wasn't fantastic, but it worked. Yeah. You know? I think the Habs did him kind of dirty, honestly. I think his development has been a little fucked up, which, you know, far from the only player or prospect they've done that to. <laughs> it's it's tough. I don't think he's played great this year. I think he's played better recently. Um, I saw him out there on 3-3. Three and three, I think it was against, was against oh, the Mete, Weathers. Yeah. He looked, uh, he stood out. He, you know, he, yeah. he didn't make anything happen, but you saw him out there and you're like, oh yeah, like this guy should be out there on three and three. He can actually, he, this is kind of tailor-made to his skate, game. skate, man. Yeah. Um, and he like, can handle the puck that. pretty well. When he has confidence, yeah. he, he handles yeah. the puck pretty fucking well. So. Yeah. Well, he's yeah. like, under, if I'm not mistaken too, Chris, you can correct me on this, but I'm pretty sure like he's like outside of the actual, like it took forever for him to score a goal and he doesn't have a very good shot. Like I'm pretty sure his offense is a little underrated. If not, I mean, like by the offense measure. generates his, at least him and Kulak. The metrics are quite good. Like there's analytics driven yeah. people that have recommended to teams like Buffalo. Like you should aim for one of Mete or Kulak because the Habs don't seem to like them both. Right. So See, it's, it's one of those guys that like, yeah, the, the, not everyone will like them, but there is value in the way they play. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Moving on from Shea Weber and Victor Mete. Cole Caulfield. Two goals, one assist. First AHL game tonight. What a start. What a debut. I'm excited. I mean, we got we got a good discussion to have here. We've talked about Caulfield in the past. Uh this was this was Caulfield versus Robertson, if I'm not mistaken, too. Did Nick Robertson play tonight? Yeah, he did. Yeah. So fans are gonna be going nuts with this. I mean, I don't know. I he was on the he was on the the list of players. I didn't see him out <laughs> there. Begins. But um he he was playing. Um, I mean, joking, like, Chris. He's gonna be good. Amazing debut. They're both yeah, gonna I, be good. I, I think he's been overhyped by Toronto fans, but that's just me. I don't. I, I don't just, know what that's know what? like. Sorry, before we fan. dive in, before we dive into like the the Caulfield talk, can fan bases leave other fan bases alone when it comes to no. prospects? God no. Like it's one thing to yap about like other players. Like it's one thing if we really go at each other's teams, like the pro teams. This constant debate. Like there's been this never ending. I don't. Right now it's heated between Montreal and Edmonton. The prospects between both teams. Oh, Holloway. Like, we're, yeah, Dylan, we're comparing a bunch of guys who haven't played in the NHL yet. Like, realistically, like, for all we know, they, they could all suck. I don't know, man. Just let let the other fan bases be excited about their prospects. I don't get, yeah. like, poke fun of players in the NHL. Like, man, just let, let people be excited. Yeah, and let the kids develop. These guys use man. Twitter and shit, too. Like, they're definitely seeing yeah, this. I guarantee you, yeah. Robertson Caulfield are aware of that. And Holloway Caulfield, probably, especially his teammates, are probably fucking laughing. Yeah, about definitely. It. Yeah, but it, it, they're you're definitely right. laughing. It's stupid. It's it's really stupid, and it's also I, I can't, dude. Some of these tweets, like they put so much. There's so much emotion behind hate. them. Like so they're much so angry, and it's so like talking about how terrible Nick Robertson's gonna. It's just like, yeah, dude, bro. like you're probably gonna be wrong. He's a really good player. Like what? Like what do you? What's your end game here? You're just letting off Habs Twitter steam, or what's the? I don't understand some of the. It's like it's but, but, it's. I don't. Know. Uh. Jack Campbell. Yay. Wow. I I did not expect Jack Campbell to make me cry this week uh, for good reasons, but he did. Jack Campbell, I, I was so happy for after breaking that record. Uh, just the nicest friggin' guy in the world. You see him in an interview and you're just, how do you not root for this guy? He's been playing incredible hockey. He's, he's leading the Leafs right now, and you love to see it. You really love to see it. Chris, what's it been like? Being on the inside there, being a fan, watching the rise of Jack Campbell this year. 
you mentioned crying. Like, I absolutely shed several tears when yeah. he, uh, when Sean McKenzie made him, uh, or when Sean McKenzie explained to him what Matthews and Marner had talked about with Cam, like how important Campbell was to the team, how much they loved him as a teammate. And you see, you see him tear up on the bench and talk about like, um, how much it means that for him to be on the Leafs, how much it means uh, for him to have the support of his teammates. Like I'm, I'm tearing up thinking about it right now. Yeah, I, I remember watching the game because it was after the Leafs Habs game. Like, um, I was watching with my brother, and my brother was like, "Oh, here we go, another dumb interview with a hockey player." And like, ten seconds in, it was like, "Oh shit!" Like, this is you're actually getting content of this. That's some generic answer. It's, it's a guy who genuinely loves like the team he's playing for the 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 organization but specifically his teammates and i don't i don't know if there's ever been a better feel-good story this season i, I can't remember one being either. there for the leafs i was reading about campbell's journey there was a, an article about him on the athletic uh i think it was today or yesterday um i can't remember who was by i should have looked this up but it, it basically uh, james brought, myrtle james myrtle you. there you go james myrtle the, the great james myrtle he he's had a long journey He's really had a long journey. Highly touted prospect in Dallas, first round pick. I think he was was he top ten or was he dropped tenth, eleventh overall? I can't remember. He's, he was a high pick. Yeah, I think he was eleventh. He was yeah, 11th, the hope was 11th, that he would step yeah. in and and be his hope apparently too. Like his expectation going to the NHL was that he was going to step in and and become a starting goalie at a young age, like Carey Price. Uh, there's a story told early on in the article that that. Chronicles basically his first win with Dallas uh, in an exhibition game. I think when he was, I don't know how old he would have been, 19, 20, maybe 18 even. I don't know. Probably 19 or 20 though. And he was ecstatic and he gets called into the GM's office after the game and gets told he's getting sent down and he just broke down in tears. Um, and yeah, his, his the, the mental journey that he's been on to get to this point has been extensive. And he wouldn't be where he is today without having a big transformation in the mental side of his life, not just his game. And this came about with the, the, a goalie guru in, in L.A. And again, I wish I knew I was going to bring this up in the pod because I'm forgetting his name. Emu. It was Emu, right? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, and he, he really helped to turn his, his life around in general and really helped to, to, to bring him – uh, along as a goalie as well and and since then it's just been an upward trajectory for Jack Campbell and and really finding his way back to the status that he was expected to 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 reach when he was drafted um and that's that part of that what really hit me watching that interview was seeing him tear up about talking about his teammates like that like you you could sense that there was so much of a journey that led up to this and how important it was to him to be on such a, a good group and be a part of such a good group that it, it sounds like a special group. It really does. And it sounds like they've, they've really found a good balance of, of youth and veteran leadership. And it seems like this year is different as far as the, the mental makeup goes of the Leafs this year. And Chris, you'd have a better idea of that than me. I'll let you go on with that, but that's how it's felt as an outsider looking at, I mean, uh, there's only a certain, there's only so many times you can get humiliated yeah. uh, before you form a bond. So I'm hoping that's what's happening here because I'm done watching them get humiliated. Yeah. Um, they seem happy. Like I mean, it's it's not as straightforward as oh, you know, they're all super nice guys, whatever. It it seems like there's a a mindset that 
the team has built from the beginning. And, I, and the Leafs do something, I don't know if the Habs is something similar called the Leafs Blueprint, where every few weeks or so there's like a behind-the-scenes video about 10 minutes long about stuff they're working on within the team. And there was one during training camp. Um, actually, we'll get to see a lot more of those with the Leafs. Uh, uh, behind-the-scenes documentary run by Amazon called All or Nothing. And it's been done before in the Premier League and the NFL where they follow a team for like the rest of like the whole season. And it's basically like Van Ash type thing. Yeah. It's like hard like a larger in the NFL. Like a larger production type thing. Yeah. Um yeah. and I had I had loved it watching I'm a soccer fan. I watched the, the Man City and the Tottenham ones and they were great. Um and Kyle Dubas referenced them in in the interview where he was explaining why he accepted the uh the the role. Or accepted the crew into his uh, into, into the, the Leafs. Yeah. He had denied it the year before. Okay. And having after having watched it with his favorite team, Man City, he was like, "Actually, yeah, this is pretty cool. Let's do it." Nice. That's so, pretty cool. So I think it'll be a, like, especially this year that they're playing well so far. It, it's going to be interesting to have that to see that stuff at the end of the season, like what it's like, the smaller things, and and why I'm referencing that is that in the documentary, it's basically like having a hidden camera in the locker room, and you see little things like altercations and and uh in the coaching strategies and uh, what happens when a player gets transferred from one team to another in the premier league so i'm assuming you know trades that's going to be a thing that you'll see kyle dubas on the phone with other teams like it's it's a very very encompassing documentary and it'll be cool to see for this team because of how special they are that's right going to be really cool to see yeah so yes so yes after all that to say it seems like the group itself mentally and and as a as a unit, this is not in my area of expertise. I'm a numbers guy. I I know that this is important. I just never knew how important it is. Um, and hey, if the, if that's just gonna get them over the line, I'll take it. You're talking about team chemistry and and you know the dynamic. Yeah, the st- the, the the intangible, the stuff that I'll never understand. Like, I right. I don't love the way Thornton or Simmons are playing right now, but the guys seem to love them so much. And they, you know, like uh, when Hyman scored his goal last week and everyone's pumping on the, on the, on the bench and he yeah. just goes right to Simmons. High fives awesome. him and neglects everyone else. Like there's, there is, there's value in that. Yeah, there is. And it, it is intangible. And I understand that that's a huge part of the game that I don't have a grasp on. Yeah. And it's it seems to... like, Whatever the formula is this year, it's working. Like, I can I can tell you a thousand times, I've seen it play out where the Leafs lose a terrible game at the beginning of the season, and then after that, the rest of the year, you always think about that game. But they blew a five-one lead to the Sens. I don't flinch when they have leads. Yeah. And I used to. A lot of that is Jack Campbell is playing up out of his fucking mind a lot of that's intangibles but, too though a lot of that is is the but a lot of that is is the mental the game and, and yeah. i i i think it looks like they figured it out like a, can can you draw any other conclusion at this point like I, the games no. they can I, they can I, win I, games excited. six five but they win games two one when was the last time the leafs won games two one yep. i'm excited not, not even under not even under babcock like, since keith has been the head coach of the leafs they're third in wins and points. Behind one win behind Tampa and one overtime loss behind the Avalanche. 
That's it. Jeez. They've been amazing. Yeah. This has been a really, really special season for Toronto. And again, it's it's yeah, it's 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 done during the COVID year and in the North Division. They're they're a great team. They're a great team. Look, and if it's if, if it's not Montreal that's coming out of this North Division, I want it to be Toronto. I really want to see Toronto make a run for the cup if it's not Montreal. It, the, the the problem with this season is that the Leafs the only way this season can be a success is if they come out of the North Division. If not, it's a failure. Yep. yep. Which sucks because of how good the season has been. Yeah. But because of the history and the previous embarrassments and the previous failures, there is no this team cannot prove anything to anyone until they win a playoff round. Yeah. And that's the way it's gonna be. Uh, and speaking of playoff rounds and you know the team being good and Dubas having said in the past that he wants to enforce the team that's a natural segue to a trade that happened a few hours ago yep so the Leafs traded a conditional seventh round pick for Riley Nash at full cap uh, so it's 2.75 AAV no retention by Columbus but he's hurt for the rest of the year so he goes right to LTIR and Freddie Anderson was put on retroactive LTIR as of today for the last 20 days. So uh, the Leafs now have, with that trade, an extra million and a half in salary cap space, deadline salary cap space, which brings them to about three, three million. Uh, Taylor Hall's deadline cap space is 2.6. I think this is where they're going. I think it probably is too. Yeah, especially, um, well, seeing it in the the Leafs halves game, like without Willie, it does seem rather bleak. Yeah. If you can just like Taylor Hall playing on a line with Tavares and Nil- and Nylander, but that's your second line. <laughs> that's uh, that's probably as good as you can Fuck get. You. The only thing that. The, the, the only thing that I would say is, is an issue, and, and I hope it's addressed a little bit, is that there is no replacement on the Leafs for Jake Muzzin. And <clears throat> when he went down against Columbus, like the team completely fell apart. They're never, that's going to be the case, and that's the case with every team. There's, you're never going to be able to replace players like that. Yeah, easily, but it's, period, you know, so it's occupational. So, so I'm glad the plan seems to be double down the thing you're good at. Because yeah. if you lose Jake Muzzin, well, then you'll have to win every game 6-5. Also, hold on. Not for nothing, but they kind of did get an insurance for Jake Muzzin and TJ Brody. Different players. But if it, uh, Jake Muzzin I, goes I down say, now, you're less scared than you were last year. Yes. You you know what? You're right. Yeah. Definitely because I trust TJ Brody in his own end, and yeah. he's earned my trust. You know how I know he's earned every Leafs fan's trust? How? He scored his first goal of the season against the Canadians. Not a single person was having a single like an issue with TJ Brody. It was Great never play. brought up that he hadn't scored yet. It was never referenced. No one cared about it. It wasn't important. Great player, and he's yeah. looked great he's in been, Toronto. He's playing the best hockey of his career. It makes you think of how catastrophic Kadri saying no to the original Kadri yeah. trade is. Yeah. But who knows? TJ Brody has been through a lot. You talk about the intangibles. TJ Brody has been through the friggin' ringer mentally from his time in Calgary. And he came out the other end. The one one year would have been enough of a difference, though. It might have been. I'm just thinking that year, like 
that whole year without Barry and instead you had TJ Brody would have solved a lot of problems. Yeah, but you got Babcock and I, I don't know. I like the idea of it being a fresh, clean start this year. First full year under Keefe. I don't yeah. know. I like it. It, it happened the way it's made it had a to Look, they, they look great and, and even the underlying numbers are really, really good. The only yep. one that I think is unsustainable is Jack Campbell and if he can prove to be any kind of above average starter even like a 920 guy he's obviously not not a 944 guy no one's a 944 guy but no. if he's a 915 920 guy like the Leafs can go far the Leafs yep. can go really far with that and i think they probably will uh let's let's talk about freddie anderson quickly here uh any timetable on his return they keep saying he's not out for the year mm-hmm. uh but i wouldn't be surprised if they kucherov this guy Really, eh? Yeah, I don't think they need him until the playoffs anyways. Like, I don't think he's the starter anymore anyways. Like, that's pretty much official. But... uh, Do you think it's that clear? He hasn't been good in a long time. No, he hasn't. And, and yes, it's only... Well, I think Campbell's played 14 games total for the Leafs since they've had him. Uh. But it's enough of a gap. Like, there's a large gap in play between the two. And I would think even if he came back, this is a 50-50 split now. Yeah. This is as not Freddie playing. is six... playing like this, right? You have to I think even if he lot. plays a little bit worse than this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, even if he, like, like you said, if he's a 920 goalie, that's still a big step up over what Freddie Anderson was prior to right, getting hurt. Right. Like, the sad part right now, like, even being a 900 goalie is better than Freddie. Yeah. That's Scary a low thought. bar. Like right now, Hutchinson Scary has thought. had a better season than Freddie. Yeah. Freddie's hurt. I'm not saying Hutch is a better goalie, but the confidence is not there. And the team, their expected wins go up by a full point. Yeah. Every time Jack Campbell plays versus Freddie. And you know, of virtually every organization in the league, the Leafs are the organization that's going to take that. I mean, look, they're going to take it as seriously as anybody in the league, right? They they will pay more attention yeah. to that than a lot of other teams will. But even even just for cap reasons, like you, like yeah. we've said it before, like the Leafs can sleep into the playoffs at this point. They don't, oh, like, even if it's Hutch playing a lot of the games, it doesn't matter. Yeah, if they can acquire another forward for when the games do matter, if they have the full team that they're they're supposed to have on paper. It doesn't like the Freddie's not playing for now is not a big deal. Like think of the Washington Capitals in 2018. Like Grubauer played three quarters of the second half of the season, and then Holtby came back in the playoffs and he was good. But the first few games it was Grubauer that started. If he comes back and Jack Campbell's playing terribly and Freddie can just be average, that's fine too. There there are rumors that the Leafs are going to try and get Allmark and Hall. Mm. I don't hate that, but that probably costs you, Freddie. Oh yeah, you know, you know what I mean. Like, you, 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 I'd move. They would both. I personally would move Freddie, uh, Chris Johnston. I mean, it's funny that I'm saying someone else named Chris Johnston, <laughs> but Chris Chris Johnston uh, on the um, 31 podcasts episode. Yeah, I heard he, that. The last one, he the said that uh, a lot of the team would be mad about Freddie leaving because he's like good buddies with Matthews and Marner or whatever. Uh, I hate that narrative so yeah. much, especially after the Raptors won with Kawhi after trading team legend DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. It's the intangibles so, 
like again. But Jack, like they have their like. You can't tell me the team doesn't like Jack Campbell more. They'll get over it. They will get over it. That's if he's gone. Th- yes. That's exactly what I mean. Like there, there are intangibles that I get that, but that's not the whole process. No. But it's delicate. It's too. a big part of it. It's a bold I, move. I, I did. Allmark has been good. He's been very good, actually. He's in got Buffalo he's got a nine twenty two, and he's playing on the Buffalo Sabers. Yeah. So and like his his advanced stats too. Actually, I remember reading about that recently. Are, are actually quite impressive. Even through like the fucking really really rough stretches this year, he was putting up yep. pretty good numbers. Um, Goal saved but, above expected. He's actually quite good. Yeah. Still though, it's a bold move to give up Freddie Anderson going into the playoffs this year. You know, being you, you have to be sure Jack is the guy. And yeah. for for me, fourteen games is not a lot of games to say. No. Oh, that's the guy. Like I he's saw been really some, good, it Wish? but that's a lot of that's a lot of weight for fourteen games. It is. It's a ton of weight. I think it was it Wish or someone else posted something saying like, you know, when do you start to consider Jack Campbell for the Vesna? You know, like when you look at his stat line, 10, 10 and zero. Uh, Steve Dangle said it best. Even if Jack Campbell played the rest of the season, that would put him at twenty six games. That's not enough. Yeah. He'd have to win all sixteen games, so he'd have twenty six wins. Then maybe. But that's yeah. not gonna happen. Like it's like it's, he's not the Hamburglar. He's not gonna have a twenty-one and one stretch. Like it's just not. I mean, at no, this point, no, who knows? He's no, there. no team will do that. Regardless, though, it's the point is that you have had Andrew Hammonds in the past, right? Where guys have gone as much as twenty-one games, playing out of their bloody minds, not been so, worthy so, of being a starting goalie. Exactly. So Hammond had a great year, but then when the playoffs started, he fell apart immediately, and Montreal killed them. Yeah, I don't want to have that. Campbell want to have different pedigree though. Did come into yeah, this so, league, high draft pick, high expectations, a lot of talents, really good frame. In the last three seasons, but he's fifth in safe percentage in the NHL. So it's Bishop, Kemper, Anti Ranta, Vasilevsky, and then Jack Campbell. Yeah, that's a seventy game sample size. That yeah, I'm more comfortable in good. saying there's a goalie there to be had, especially given that you know of those seventy games. Only 14 are with a good team. Like the, the LA yeah. Kings were not good bef- on the team he was playing for before. So there's a little more evidence than the hamburger, let's say, that there's a goalie here. Pedigree helps. His, his save percentage in the minors helps. It's just, I would like insurance. And for right now, yeah. for me, the insurance is Freddie. And if they don't acquire a better goalie than what they have, it's not worth it. No. If it's I, all I Mark, agree. then yes, that's great. But if we're going out and getting a Jonas. Johansson type guy that Colorado got like I don't want that. No. Like, they they got the Vinny Pivalainen and like he's fine, but that doesn't that doesn't move the needle for me. No. Like you need to move the needle if you're going to trade for a goalie. I wonder. That's what I'm hoping for. If it's not, I mean, like if you were able to bring in Allmark and Hall, and it cost you Freddie, I wonder if that's I, not the move to do though. Like I really like it's it, it is a big thing. Like you say Freddie's healthy going into the playoffs, especially say Freddie is healthy. Would you want to make that move? Do you feel comfortable going into the playoffs with Allmark and Campbell as your your goalies and Hutchinson? I would. I don't know where I stand. If it's, honestly, if, I'm if about Allmark it is in there, it's fine. Because I'm thinking of it this way. like Either Campbell or Allmark will be able to give you average goaltending. And if you have Taylor Hall, who's still good, not MVP Taylor Hall, but still good Taylor Hall, playing in a lesser role, I think you can win as many games as you need. I think it's tough to get and, an accurate read on Taylor Hall's game right now, too. I think. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I'm not... I'm not the smartest stats guy in the world. So I try and defer to people who are smarter than I am. And if there's anyone to trust, it's Rachel Dory, who spent a lot of time working for the New Jersey devils. Okay. She has her own podcast, staff and graph. If you want to 
listen to that. She's great. She's really smart. She knows Taylor Hall inside and out from her time in New Jersey. And since she still studies his play, his analytics, and she says this is still a elite level player. Yeah. I'm going to trust her on that. It doesn't show. Given like, like Buffalo's metrics with and without Taylor Hall are pretty staggering. Like he's still a play driver. It's just, he has 15 assists this season on a team where no one has more than five goals. Like that's, yeah, it's, it's terrible, but it means that he is still finding some kind of production. And he's, he's really good at shot assists, which is just a very basic stat of how many times does a player pass to someone else who immediately takes a shot or takes a shot within the first two seconds. Okay. He's good at that. It's just, there's no one burying any of those chances. Right. 29 years old too. I don't know. I think there's a UFA. Like the Leafs have to go rental. There's no room for no long-term player unless they're getting a goalie like like the case spitball like john gibson like then maybe but like other than that it, it has to be a rental yeah because freddie's done at the end of the year so you're gonna need another goalie i don't think it's next i season. honestly i'm gonna go out and say something really bold here and i feel like this is probably gonna lead to having egg all over my face i don't think it would be responsible given their cap situation to go out and get a, a John Gibson right now when you've got Jack Campbell playing the way that he's playing. I think it would be irresponsible to not let Jack Campbell have every opportunity to show that he's capable of being the number one guy next year. I would agree with you. Yeah. I'm going to say that Dubas and Purdom are smarter than I am. Oh, so yeah. I'll, tr- I'll, tr- I'll trust them on that. Purdom, I know right now is, for those of you who don't know who Purdom is, he's the Leafs assistant GM. He's the cap wizard. He's the reason they just made that Riley Nass trade. Uh, he's the reason they will get anything added to the deadline for a team that's at the cap all the time. Yeah. I just they just need to win a round, man. They just yeah. need to win one round. Yeah. That's I know it's a thing. failure if they don't if they don't win the, the division, but like they need they need to win a round. Yeah, they do. It's there's no way around it, straight up. There just is not any other way forward here for this group. And the thing that's you know, that, that that's unfortunate is if they don't do it, it's like if they didn't get it done with this group, what's it going to take in the future moving forward? But again, with the, the core that they have and the talent they've got, it's every year is going to be a window of some kind. Uh, all right. We're going to transition to some women's hockey coverage, and I'm going to throw that over to Chris to get that rolling. For those of you that are worried about how to get into the women's game or you know you don't know enough about the players, the teams, the regions, the Ice Garden is the place to find the most hockey related content they've got reporters they've got videos uh, analytics uh, they take care of all of that and this week and Tukarski made a 30 minute zoom conference that was recorded for youtube so you can go and find it now if you want at the at the ice gardens youtube channel but basically it's an introduction to the pwhpa players the regions what you need to know the history what their goal is so far what, what the games have been so far where they're headed in the future so if you want to get started and find a base knowledge watch that video it's a, it's amazingly done and if you're curious about the nwhl she did one in the summer also that's on the site still too you know a half hour of your time and go watch that you'll feel much better about the games afterwards mm-hmm. i did it over the summer and i can't tell you how much it helped me to know those things when i was talking about the games afterwards it's a great starting base and even if you know a lot about the game already it adds quite a bit of knowledge to have for everyone so highly recommend people go watch that uh there were supposed to be games in st louis this weekend but they were postponed due to covid protocol reasons so there aren't they will happen eventually we just don't know when yet Uh, same with the canadian games we don't have any specific dates for the nwhl anya packer is the new gm of the riveters 
She was the previous NWHLPA president. So this is a quite the role change for her, but the players are happy. According to Marissa and Jemmy, they were not super happy with how the previous GM handled the bubble. Okay. So this will be a good move for the players. And it's interesting I mean, how, like, I guess because it's still kind of grassroots and it's, it's small, but it's just interesting how many women take on multiple roles. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like an unusual transition to go from that to that. But at the same time, like, it seems, it seems like this is not all that uncommon. Yeah, it, for, for me, it shows like the size of the community isn't huge yet. Yeah, exactly. But it's getting bigger and getting bigger fast. Yeah, and it's show, is, it also shows really like fun. an impressive aptitude, right? Like an ability to do these different positions well. Like it's, it's, yeah. pr- it's pretty impressive. Uh, there was speculation that the NW, NWHLPA is also now going to, in their new leadership, going to try and expand their role okay. in professional women's hockey. So uh, it might be one of those things that, helps bridge a gap or whatever the players seem happy with that so anything stuff. for anything to make the players happy is is good yeah we're on board with that and the players love anya packer she's a great presence online and she's she's really funny and she gets to be the boss of her wife which must be the ultimate power move <laughs> yeah seriously uh, <laughs> awkward awkward so, dinner uh dinner conversations yeah i'm gonna have to cut you can you imagine oh my god <laughs> <laughs> Do it no, she'll never night. have to cut Madison, Madison Packer. Madison Packer is one of the best players to ever play in the NWHL, so yeah, she'll be fine there. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's less fun stuff. In the last week, the Six have had some rather unfortunate controversies that have hurt a lot of people. Yeah. And up until uh, today, we hadn't had any statements from the Six to try and rectify the things that they had done. Uh, I'm going to read out a statement that came out today from the ownership group. So keep in mind that uh, this owner ownership team also owns the pride and they they are the ones that are going to start the Montreal team. Yeah. So it's it's a one owner for th- one ownership group for three teams. Let's just quickly read for, up- those, for those who don't know what happened just give a quick recap. Well, it's in the statement so it'll it'll be okay. relatively straightforward and if and then we can clarify stuff after if we Perfect. Need. So, statement from the ownership the Toronto 6 ownership group. The Toronto 6 believe that trans women are women and that trans women belong in women's sport. We unequivocally condemn any form of bigotry, intolerance, and exclusion of trans people. Digit Murphy has disassociated herself from the Women's Sports Policy Working Group, and she understands why the initiatives on their website are not congruent with our values and our mission at the Toronto Six. We stand by our president and head coach, who is a tireless advocate for women's hockey, women's sport, and all women in general. As an organization, we are committed to education and will participate in a third-party facilitated training session in the coming weeks in order to increase our sensitivity and awareness of the experiences of trans people in sports. That's part one. Part two is to address another issue. So we apologize for inappropriate activity on our social media account and condemn the language in a post that was carelessly liked on Twitter. To make things perfectly clear, the Toronto Six will be inclusive of our staff, fans, and general community. We are proud of our trans family members and will always work to be stronger members and allies to change systems that exclude our non-binary fans and work with organizations locally to fight for our LGBTQIA community. We believe strongly that trans rights are human rights and we'll continue to keep the six a safe and inclusive space for all. Okay, so it's nice that they finally condemned the group that Digit Murphy associated herself with. Yeah, It's nice that they apologized for the tweet that had some really harsh language in it against 
the LGBTQ plus community. The tweet was liked by the Toronto Six account. It was basically applauding them for standing up to the alphabet mob. Which is as, as horrible as wording as you could possibly yeah. use. Awful. Just awful. And so, so everyone is clear about this. If the Leafs had done something like that, they would be crucified. And rightly so. Rightfully so. That's yes. terrible. Insane swing in the opposite direction of what women's hockey has been for so long. So between that and that group that Digit Murphy's a part of, exclusion of trans athletes, that was a really shitty week for the six. Yeah. And I can imagine someone like Elisa Turner, who spent so much time building up the fan base for that team, feels that they ripped apart what she worked so hard for. And you can see it. They've lost tons of followers. And I, I can't blame anyone for that. The statement is nice. It sidesteps. I don't hear an apology. Yeah. I don't hear an apology from Nigel Murphy. Yeah. They said she's not on that group, but she's still on their website. Disassociated is open to interpretation, right? That's Yeah. That's not resolved. No. And there is no accountability for that like. I don't care who it was, that person needs to be nowhere near that team ever again. Yeah. Those and two that's... things are unacceptable. Yeah. They can never happen again because women's hockey has been supported from the get-go by the LGBTQ plus community, and there is no way you can make them feel excluded. They are the base of this sport, of this fan base, of the players, of management. This is the most important group, and they need to feel safe in this space. Absolutely. Uh, 100%. Six, figure it out, do more. It does speak to greater issues that are at play in the LGBTQ community as well um, with, with transphobia, and I hope that it does lead to... Progress, you know, progress that maybe wouldn't have been had if this hadn't happened and this hadn't become public. She held these views and and felt this way. I'm talking about Digit, uh, whether we found out about this or not, right? So it's it's an opportunity to to build this into something better and to turn this into something positive. And I really hope that that's the direction this this goes in. And the whatever outrage and pain the the community felt is justified. Yeah. 100%. And it it can never happen again. No. Never. It's it's I, I still have a hard time wrapping my head around the fact that it did happen. It's uh, all in one week. In yeah. one week. Can you imagine week. like the yeah. things that they had done beforehand? They were the most popular thing on the internet for like 3 months. Yep. And, and they ruined it for themselves and a lot of people. It's really it, unfortunate. It, there's no excuse and they need to do better to fix it. They built up such an inclusive space too, so it's just it's such a it's such a needless headache and harmful, you know. Just it's, it's hurtful. There's only so much you can say on the subject, but yeah, you know, I think we we stand with trans athletes, we stand with with trans women in women's hockey, and we are hopeful that there's going to be a, a, a more in- inclusive and welcoming space for them moving forward, and that there's going to be a, a more inclusive community in general because of this. Uh, we're going to take this uh, take this out. We're going to transition to some storylines that we're looking forward to uh, over the next two weeks until our next show. So look, we're going to level with you guys out there. It's the trade deadline again. We got excited about the trade deadline early, okay? We got excited about it hey, two episodes ago. It was too early. You mean a Riley Nash trade isn't good enough for you? No, okay? No, it's not. It's not. A Riley no, Nash de- trade is not good not, enough for me. Definitely, it's definitely not good enough. It, okay, now I've got a question about the trade deadline. How many teams do you think should be sellers will decide not to be because they convince themselves they're good in the last two weeks? Nashville. Sorry, what? Nashville's one. I got Chicago in there too, although they did sell. Nashville does no, look took... decent, but they're not going to win a cup with this team. Yeah, whoever whoever finishes fourth in that division is getting absolutely spanked by either <laughs> Carolina or Tampa Bay. There's no, there's no point in trying to push for a playoff spot. 
I'm convinced, and Jim Benning seems to double down on that theory that Vancouver is not going to sell, even they definitely should. Oh, Jim. And I wonder what the situation is like in Colorado. I know they got Patrick Nemeth today. Today they did, yeah. But a, a player like Bernier or a goalie would make sense <clears> for them too. Didn't they have Bernier? And Wasn't Bernier in Colorado for a period? I, like I think he went from L.A. right to Toronto. I thought he went to Colorado. And from that. Toronto to Detroit. Not crazy. And then, uh, dead, uh, not not to deadline, but a storyline to look out for. More and more, love this term, quote-unquote rumblings from uh, a bunch of respected reporters that the NHL is looking at to doing a bubble again for the playoffs. Yeah, players aren't thrilled about that, but that might be the no. only way forward. It's a tough thing to ask players to do again, I know. Oh, I'm not even going to... Also, we did... Yeah. We didn't mention it, and we're a few days behind on this. But uh, everyone in Vancouver, best wishes, man. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. We did. It's true. This is kind of last week. We got caught in between the news cycle here. But oh man, our thoughts are with Vancouver and their families and everyone associated with that organization. It's a tough situation. This COVID thing is nuts, man. And the India variant and the Brazil variants. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Our thoughts are with everyone in the Canucks organization. I'm also, you know, I'm looking looking at trade deadline. Looking to see. I'm actually curious to see how teams like Nashville fare the you know week and a half post deadline before our next episode. I'm curious to see if any of those teams have sort of an immediate regret moment where it's like, oh my god, what have we done? Why did we not sell? So that's kind of what I'm I'm uh, looking out for. Ty, nobody really knows, you know, with the COVID restrictions and the flat cap and people being confused on whether some teams are going to sell or some are going to buy blah 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 like nobody really knows like nobody knows what kind of traffic to expect so i'm just yeah. kind of curious to see like you know like how's it going to the play trade deadline's always just kind of underwhelming in general how um, dare you how dare you look look look, <laughs> well, look mean, for the look for brandon Pritton playing 5d chess right now there it is <laughs> yep so we're sorry apologies we uh I blame us from a month and a half ago, honestly, more than I blame us from yeah, today. I think I think, it's I, think reasonable... I think it's me. I hyped it too early. You know, I'll, I was, I, I was okay thinking about the Fuck two you, weeks Chris. and then the way to go. Good job. I got ahead of my... wrong about hockey. You let yeah, the team down, all of us, yourself included. You feeling good about it? You feel good over there? Yeah. No, I didn't I'm think so, so. Sorry, guys. <laughs> well, the fact that you don't feel good actually does feel pretty good for me. So, I appreciate oh, that. Thanks. Uh, Jonathan Bernier that. did play on Colorado for a season, 2017-18. Oh, God, Chris, you're so dumb. <laughs> and on that, on that note, let's wrap this up. Guys, love talking to you. Looking forward to talking to you again fun. in two weeks. <clears throat> you can find me on Twitter at uh, hscratch or lfhpod. Uh, you can find Tyler on yeah, Twitter. Oh, that's your, is that your podcast with your other, other friends? friends? Yeah, yeah, that's the other podcast. Unbelievable. Yeah. Whatever. We have. You notice how going on you notice how healthy scratch gets tagged in every one of those posts. Yeah. 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 That's I true. Okay. Fine. That. At least you're being. At least you're being blunt about cheating with us. I, I want it to be right in your fucking face. That way, I don't feel guilty about it. You knew the whole time. <laughs> well, but yeah, you can find, you, Tyler you can on find me on Twitter at. Um, <laughs> what is my Twitter? Let's look at this. Tyler. Habs, Habs Drew. Oh yeah, no, it's true. We changed it. Habs yeah. Drew. Uh, you can find me at Chris six or seven, but uh, for your own benefit, don't. All right, guys, it's been real. Stay healthy out there, everybody.